Uh, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, actually I'm going to read from verse 19 to 27. It says, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But, someone say, but. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Amen. That's not the way you learned Christ, is it? But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have learned about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in your spirit, sorry, in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. <clears throat> now we're going to talk about the new self, all right? That was the old self, all right? Someone say old self. Now we're going to talk about the new self. On the left, say old self. On the right, new self. Right? We were talking about the old self. Now we're talking about the new self. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. Who's he talking to? The old self or the new self? He's talking about the new self right now. Hey, new creation. Hey, born again Christian. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have been redeemed and set free, that we are new creations, born again. The old is gone. We live a new life now. We are not the sum of our past mistakes. God, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. I pray that souls are saved, lives are changed. I pray Christians find more strength tonight. I pray that the discouraged would be encouraged and that all of us would experience your incredible love, your kindness and your power to change lives today. Help us to become more Christ-like, that we wouldn't revert back to the old self, but we would be all that you've called us to be, a new creation, Christ-like more and more, day by day, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Amen. Come on, you may take your seats, look at your neighbor and say, you are adorable tonight. Mm -hmm. And when you single young men, when will you learn? Sit next to the pretty lady, I will give you an opportunity and a pickup line every service. I got, I got some controversial things to say to y'all tonight, okay? Is that all right? Can we get a little controversial tonight? I, I got to be honest with you, you're going to have to brace yourself because I've got some things to say that are for sure going to offend some people, all right? What I'm about to say will offend legalistic Christians for sure. They will be offended. What I'm about to say will for sure offend the woke or the progressive Christians. Uh, I might offend you. If I don't offend you, I could very well offend the person sitting next to you tonight. Um, and if not you, perhaps somebody online. But I know that tonight is going to offend somebody. But you know the Word of God is offensive, right? Like every characteristic of God, is His grace is offensive, right? We've talked about that because He's got grace for you and Harvey Weinstein and Adolf Hitler, right? It's nuts. Grace is offensive, isn't it? The Word of God is offensive. When applied accurately, those of us who are not living according to it will have a minor offense in our spirit that we've got to reconcile with the Holy Spirit and ask that it be brought in line 
with the Word of God. Amen. <clears throat> so my intention is not to offend, but to preach the Word that God told me to preach today. And uh, I was actually going to preach on one thing that was similarly offensive, but maybe not as much. Um, I was going to preach about how if your kids are raised in online church, or if you bring your kids to church once every four weeks, there's a pretty good chance they'll go to hell. That's what I was going to preach on, but I'm going to save that. (laughs) So I'm not going to say that tonight. Good thing I didn't say it, Pastor Sean. But while preparing my message and while talking with some friends this week, and after spending some time in God's presence, Friday morning in my living room, I was just worshiping the Lord and I felt the Holy Spirit press on my heart to recycle an old sermon title. Now, I preached a sermon by the same title about six or so years ago, and I didn't do it justice back then. In fact, I I went back, I went to Dropbox and I went over my notes. I actually have the notes of every sermon I've ever preached all in Dropbox. And so I went over those notes and, um, and and as I'm reading my notes from about six years ago, I really wondered why any of you came to church. I'm like, our worship team must be amazing. If people could get over the hurdle that was my sermons. But thank God he used it to bless somebody at some point, somewhere. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But I'm not going to re-preach that message, uh, but a new message that is sure to help you change your life uh, and, and, uh, and God willing, change the world around you. Amen. And, uh, and, And actually, the world over. In the name of Jesus. But the title of my sermon today is Get Angry. So look at your neighbor and tell them, Get Angry. Look at your neighbor and say it like you mean it. Come on, get angry. It's time for you to get angry. (laughs) Hello. Today I want to talk about anger though. All right. See, I've got a few points, but first I want to set it up for you and help you to understand something that, that if you have anger in your life, that's not because you're defective. In fact, God gets angry. Y'all know that, right? Like, you know, God gets angry, right? From Old Testament and New Testament. Come on, right? Y'all hear the story about Jesus going to the temple and he's just like really angry about what's going on. See, people had turned the temple into a marketplace. Now, that... To us, we're like, mm, they were selling resource in the lobby. No, no, no. That's not what it's taught. They weren't selling a book that's going to help you with your spiritual health in the lobby. That's not what was going. They weren't raising money for the building fund. They weren't raising money for a missions trip. No, no. Marketplace in this sense, it doesn't just speak to the money changing hands, but also the environment that was created there. And it was a marketplace environment. Now, if you go to a marketplace, back, they're selling chickens in God's house. They're selling horses and cattle in God's house and pigs and whatever. And there is urine and there is manure and there are people exchanging money over these things in the house of God. And Jesus got angry. It made him angry. And he's sitting down at a table somewhere, uh, just knitting. It looks, it appears that he's knitting or something. And his disciples are like, Jesus, Look what's happening over here. 
What are you knitting? What are you making, Jesus? What are you up to over there? Jesus was making a whip and he says to the disciples, y'all about to see what I'm making. And then he picks up this homemade whip that he just made and and he starts whipping at the Pharisees and whipping at the money changers and whipping at the cattle saying, get out of God's house. You've turned it into a marketplace. He was angry and he did something about it. He got angry about it. Do you know this story? Read it. Fascinating story. People are like, oh my gosh, Jesus got angry. He did not sin, but he got angry. You know, in Genesis 1.26, we see that God made you in his image, right? Then the Lord said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So since God gets angry and you've been made in his image and in his likeness, it makes sense that you also would get angry, doesn't it? Your emotions are good things. It's good. You have emotions because God has emotions. Hello. See, they're not something that gets in the way of you having a good time. They help you have a good time. You don't have emotions because you're some defective version of what God was trying to create. No, no, you have emotions because God has emotions and God made you like Him. In our Holy Spirit Bible study this week, we were reminded of that, right? That God, the Holy Spirit, has emotions and personality. Emotions, they're not accidental. Like God's in heaven looking down at us and He's like, what are these tears? Why are they crying? I hate it when they make it stop, right? This is so annoying. Is it broken? Does, does, does it need new batteries? Like God's not surprised that you have emotions. He's not bothered by your emotions. He, it, it's not a mistake. It's not a defect. God has emotions. You are made in his image. And so since God has emotions, you also have emotions. You're not defective. That's really good news for some of you. Some of you thought you were defective. You're, you thought you're some half-baked Christian because I still get angry, right? Like you've been saved now for like eight days and you're like, why am I still angry, right? Or you've been saved for 84 years and you're like, why am I still getting angry, right? You're not defective. You were designed and created with the anger software preloaded. It's supposed to be there. It's intentional. You don't want to get rid of it. Now, God's emotions, they're always controlled and used for good and for righteousness instead of evil, right? Like someone overtaking Jesus on the interstate isn't going to make him angry, like it does to some of you. I don't know why, but apparently someone going faster than you is super offensive to people, particularly to the men people, right? And so then they get angry. I'm like, they just overtook you. Why do you? I, I sometimes I'm overtaking people because like they're literally going the speed limit. I'm like, you know the rules, idiot. And so, <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. They're not really an idiot. But like they're going the speed limit and you're supposed to go eight over or the police are going to get angry at you because they won't be able to get past to catch the bad guys. So I'm like, so I go around them and you go around them. And then they speed up and you slow down and they slow down. And you're like, can I just emerge? You know, like what's so offensive about overtake? Listen, Jesus isn't going to be offended and angry when you overtake him on the on the freeway, all right? 
That's the, his, ang, his anger's not like our anger in that, that sometimes things that, righteous things, things that should make us angry, make us angry, but then there are times where things that shouldn't make us angry, make us angry. Am I right? But today I want to look at, uh, I want to look at uh, 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 four points about anger that are just going to help you uh, understand good anger versus bad anger um, and how to use it, what to do with it, etc. But the first thing you need to know, though, is it's not accidental and, and, and God wants you to get angry about some things, okay? Just like He does, amen? You ready for my first point? We need more angry Christians, I told you it was going to be controversial. People, you know, put that, take a photo of that, put that on your Instagram, see what your friends have to say. They'll be like, what in the heck kind of church do you go to? And you'll be like, a Bible one, right? One that preaches the Bible, amen? Listen, we need more angry Christians. God gave anger to you as a gift. Without anger, we would just make peace with all sorts of ungodliness, Without anger, we would make peace with all sorts of sin in our lives. Like we'd be fine with the sin. We're like, oh yeah, it's a bit of lust. It's all good. It's a, it's a few lies, just some porn. Just a, I'm fine with hating on people. I'm fine with being mean-spirited toward people. I'm fine with, with being nasty to people. You know, I'm fine with the devil having footholds, uh, footstools in my, in my life. No, it's all good, you know. It, 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 we need to be angry. If we didn't have anger, we wouldn't have enough passion to stand up and say, enough, devil, enough. If we didn't have anger, we'd be fine with human trafficking. We'd be, we'd be fine living in a mess at home. And, and when it ticks us off, you know, if, you know sorry, getting angry, something, we're like, I'm sick of this mess. And we, we get up and we do something about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like anger is a gift. That's supposed to motivate us to do something. And when God got angry, He usually did something about the unrighteous thing that was happening. And our anger is supposed to motivate us to do something, change something, fix something in our lives or in someone else's life. I think sometimes the things that do not make people angry say as much about our character as the things that do. Wouldn't you agree? Like people who aren't even... I don't get it. Like people who aren't even slightly angered by 64 million abortions. <clears throat> I think that not making someone angry says a lot about their character and what they believe about God. I don't know how the Holy Spirit can be in you and you not be angry about these things. Can, can you really have God, the Holy Spirit living in your heart and not care when you see someone being sold into slavery? Can you really have God, the Holy Spirit, living in your heart and not care about 64 million children that have been killed? Can the Holy Spirit be in you and you not even be slightly angered by how the devil is having a field day, destroying marriages, families, gender, God's design? I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit's not there, but I'm telling you, if he's there, he has been grieved, like we learned in the study this week. I think it would seriously grieve the Holy Spirit for us to quench His anger like that. And I think we need more angry Christians. Can I get an amen? amen. We need more angry Christians. Amen? amen? Angry enough to stand up. Angry enough to say enough is enough. We need more angry Christians. People without anger have no passion. You, you can't have passion and never get angry. It's not a thing. 
You can't have passion and never be angry. Like if you really, really like your car and I go out there and grab my key and ride in it, in your anger, do not sin. Like if I just like key your car up, I I imagine it would make you angry because you like that thing, right? If I go out there and set your house on fire, I imagine you're going to get angry, Right, because you're passionate about that home, about that house. You've made a home there. You've invested in it. You've cleaned it and then cleaned it and then cleaned it and then cleaned it and then clean. I'm not broken record. I've just got five kids and then cleaned it, right? Like, and so you're passionate about that thing. Passionate people get angry. Show me a person with no anger and I'll show you a person with no passion in their lives. Show me a person that's never been angry. I'll show you a person that doesn't care about anything. Right? Passionate people get angry about things. When I say we're going to be controversial, can I say something more controversial? I think we need more angry men. Way less claps this time. People are like, I don't want to be on the video. Amening that. No, I think we need more angry men. Men who get angry when the devil comes after their family. Scripture says that the men are the spiritual head of the house. So then we need some men who get angry when the devil comes after their families. Some men who get angry when the devil comes after their children. Men who get angry when the schools or the colleges that we pay for try to indoctrinate our children with foul and ungodly things. We need more men to stand up as the spiritual head of the home and take authority over the schemes and the lies and the attacks of the enemy. Men who are angry enough to pray. Show me a man who doesn't pray for his family. I'll show you a man who's not angry enough at the devil. Come on, we need men who are angry enough at the devil's attacks on our families to stand up and get up and pray. Men who maybe confront schools when they have ungodly material in the libraries. You know what I noticed a lot these days is a lot of women on school boards. Anything wrong with that? No. But where are the men? Why should the women have to fight for the families alone? We need more angry men. I know the world has told the men to sit down and to shut up and far too many men have complied. Now, I'm not knocking the women, but when I see school boards that were mostly women, and and I see mostly ticked off parents at school board meetings and whatever else, they're mostly women. I I just want to know where the men are at. That's, That's it. I just want to know what are the men doing. We need the men to stand back up and get angry about ungodliness. Do you know some of the things, I'm not saying every school district, but in some of them around, do you know some of the things they were telling our kids? And we got men who are like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Really? Stand up, men. Come on. It's time for men, sorry, that time for men to sit down and shut up is over. I know what some people would say. They'd be like, that's toxic masculinity. And that's what the world does, right? Anything good and godly that they don't like, they just add a bad word in front of it. Now, if you don't agree, you're a bigot, right? I think I said this to you last year. Last year, someone accused us of having toxic happiness in our church. 
Oh, that's what it was. Toxic positivity. I was like, sorry, we got faith. Toxic positivity. I'm like, um, hello, yes, I want the toxic positivity in my life. And I'm going to put it on my nightstand right next to that toxic favor of God and that toxic joy and that toxic peace and that toxic hope that just seems to be overflowing out of my life everywhere I go. I want to be more toxic. Masculinity and femininity are amazing and very, very, very good parts of God's very intentional design and how he made us so different but yet similar to each other and they should be embraced and leaned into, not shamed, either side. Doesn't mean you can't be a strong woman and it doesn't mean you can't be a tender-hearted man. God tells both men and women to be strong and God tells both to be tender-hearted. Perhaps I should preach a sermon series on masculinity and femininity. I don't know what to call it. Maybe that. But God does, let's get back to the man thing for a second, which isn't even mainly the point. I'm just, just, just taking up most of my time. But God clearly instructs men to be strong on another level that provides for and stabilizes ethics and spirituality in families. The most toxic thing to genuine godly masculinity is progressive culture that demands men be timid, quiet, tamed, sitting down and controlled. Demands they sit down and shut up and do what they're told. That is toxic. What we really need is more angry men, more passionate men, more brave men, more strong men, more godly men. Amen. That's what we need. Godly men who stand firm on what is right and they fight to make the world more godly and better. Amen. Listen, single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Listen, single ladies, you don't want a passionless man. You don't want that. You want a godly, masculine, angry man who cares about what is right and a man who is man enough to do something about it. Amen. Don't marry a man who sits down to pee. Don't marry a man who sits down when culture tells him to. Sorry, is that too far? Don't marry a man who agrees with everything. Oh, well, he sits down because like, I don't want to offend him. Get, you know, just stand up, man. Be a man. <clears throat> Sit down on your phone for 15 minutes. Get up and fix something. Come on. Don't marry a man who agrees with everything you've got to say. Don't marry a man who shuts up because the topic's tough. Listen, because that man's going to sit down and shut up when your family's under attack. You don't want that. Come on. Sorry, just makes me angry. I gave the men a few weeks back in the men's group two rules for life. Don't take your phone to the toilet and stand up to pee. You just got about eight hours a week back in your life. It's funny though, isn't it, that they talk about masculinity all the time being so bad. I think that, see, I think that given that 75% of teachers are women and 80, 80% of single parent families are single mothers, 
I'd say that a huge part of the problem in America is actually a lack of masculinity and not too much. I don't know how we could possibly look at those statistics and say that there's too much masculinity in America. There is so clearly not enough. uh, BTW, shout out to all the single mums out there. Like, hey, I'm not knocking you. Thank you for standing up. Thank you for doing what some man wouldn't man up and do. Thank you. God bless you. You're incredible. Those kids are so lucky to have you. So blessed. Amen. And shout out to all the teachers out there. So thankful for you. But where are the men? We need men to stand back up in godly masculinity and get angry about something and do something about it. Don't get me wrong. We believe in women in leadership at Eternity Church. Half our pastoral staff are women. We got binders of women. If you don't know that joke, it was, anyway. (laughs) Political campaign eight years ago was hilarious. Anyway, we believe in women in ministry here at Eternity Church. Women preach on our stage. Women serve on our teams. But we don't believe in men sitting down and abandoning their families and neglecting their role. According to the Word of God, plainly and clearly, no matter which way you try to read it, no matter which version you try to go with, men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the family. And we want them to stand back up in the name of Jesus and take responsibility and do it alongside their beautiful brides in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, shall we get on with what I am preaching about? <clears throat> Let me get back to the main point. We need more angry Christians, men and women, who are passionate about the Word of God, passionate about the truth, passionate about seeing God's kingdom expanded. And so when they see the devil and an ungodly culture coming after God's plan, they get angry and they do something about it. Men and women who are passionate about their family, so when their family's under attack, they don't sit down and let it happen, but stand up and say, not today, devil. And they pray and they march and they wield that sword of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Men and women who are passionate about providing, passionate about their family's health, passionate about their church, passionate about their faith, passionate enough to get angry when something attacks it or something doesn't go right. In Scripture, we read at the start that we're talking about the new creation. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And talking about the new creation, Paul says, be angry. Be angry. Christian, be angry enough about the devil's attacks on God's word that you're going to do something about it. Born again Christians still get angry. We just direct the anger far healthier, far better, and in a far more righteous manner than we did before we met the Lord. Amen. First point, we need more angry Christians. Sub-point, we need more angry men. You can quote me, put it on your Instagram. If anything, people will be like, what the heck? And they'll come and check it out. You ready for the next couple of points? All right, I'm going to rapid fire them because I've got heaps of time. The next point, second point, get angry, but don't get sinful. Get angry, but don't get sinful. Get angry, but don't get sinful. Don't let anger make you unkind. Don't let your anger cause you to go into a fit of rage. See, later on, he tells us to be tenderhearted. Hey, get angry, but don't get sinful. Later on in the scripture, it actually says uh, in, in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, 
along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ the Lord forgave you. Now, in this scripture, sometimes you're like, is it contradicting? No, it's talking about rage and anger. And earlier it's saying, be angry, but don't sin. But when your anger's turning to rage, you need to get rid of that. In your anger, don't rage. Don't, don't, don't slander. Don't brawl. Don't, don't get bitter. Don't let your, what's that mean? Don't let your anger lead you. A friend of mine once said that your emotions are great guides. Sorry, they're great companions, but they're terrible leaders. Okay, you don't want to be led by anger. That's not how you want to live your life. Don't let your anger lead you. See, some of you have been angry about silly things like on the freeway. Some of you can go into a fit of rage over just the smallest little thing and it's ungodly and we can't let our, our, our anger control us. We can't let our anger scare our kids or our husbands or our wives. We need to make sure that, that, it is, that, it's, that it's ungodliness that, uh, that, that, that fuels our anger, not, not our kids or our spouses. You know, We've got to make sure that, that the devil's afraid when we get angry, not, not not our kids or our wife or our husbands, you know. We got to get angry, but Scripture says that, you know, get angry like God, but, but we got to do it like God. And Scripture says that He's slow to anger. God is slow to anger. What's that mean, that He's slow to anger? Well, I can tell you, it doesn't mean that someone threw something at Him and He turned around and biffed Him in the nose. <clears throat> he's slow to anger. What does it mean? Have you ever been in the middle of something and one of your kids comes up and does something stupid and you're in the middle of something else? Yeah. Well, they ask you a question. You've been asked a million times. Can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? No, the yogurt's for school. Can I have some yogurt? 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 No. Okay, next kid. Mom, dad, can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? No. Go back. I just told Charlie. Next kid. Can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? No. I just told Eli and Charlie. Get away. And then Zoe. Can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? Can I have some yogurt? Can I? No. They're for school. I've just told Eli and Charlie. Get, get away. Can I have some yogurt? No, Henry. Can I have some yogurt? No, Judah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like anyone, anyone know what I'm talking about right now? Like at all? And, and when you get angry immediately at someone, and when you respond immediately when you're angry, it's almost never a good response, is it? Like when something, um, something happens and I'm angry now, and I respond now, it's, it's almost never good, right? Right, there was this one time I walked out of a shopping center and, and, a, um, and a trolley, a, a cart was up against my new car and I'd had crappy cars my whole life and I finally bought a nice car. I had a Subaru Forester, it was like four years old and it was amazing. It was silver and I loved it, it was cool and it was a manual because that's what men drove, but now I drive autos. And, um, and, but, and, and I come out of the shopping center, I had it for, I don't know, a day, a week, whatever, and there is a shopping trolley jammed up against my car and a big dent in the fender or as we call it in Australia the, the front left quarter panel and, and just jammed in there and so I walk out and I'm immediately enraged and I pick the thing up and I launch it over my head because when you're angry you've got superhuman power right and I launch it over my head and I'm like ah! and I threw this shopping trolley at the wall uh, at, the, at the brick wall at the shopping centre and it bounced off the wall and almost hit another car Thank the Lord it didn't, because I watched the video and that's actually what happened the first time. That's how my car got hit. No, not really. But like, who knows that when you get immediately angry and immediately respond, it's almost never good. That's why we need to be slow to anger. Slow to anger is this. 
I take some time to assess the feeling. Should I be angry or not? That's low to anger. Should I be angry or should I not be angry right now? No? Okay. I need to go for a jog. Right? Someone taught me a long time ago, it's way better to walk out on your wife and kids in the middle of an argument and go for a run than it is to stick around when you're too angry and you can't cool down. It's way better just to run away and be like, I'll be back! You know? Where are you going? Somewhere to not murder you. And off you go. Oh, sorry, is that just Lauren? She yells that out when she goes for a run. <laughs> if you were married to me, you would too. Should I be angry at this? Yes. What if the answer is yes? Well, then think with your God-given brain about the right way to respond that will fix it. Whenever I get angry and I immediately respond, let's say it's like, you know, you hurt your foot. How come when you hurt your foot and you're in pain, you punch something and now you have two parts of your body in pain? Like, we're stupid sometimes, right? Like, that's stupid and sinful and responding quick in anger almost always does more damage, almost every time. You'll almost never sin in anger if you wait and think about it. That way you're leading your anger and you, 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 you let it make you aware of something that was wrong, but you directed it at something useful. Be slow to anger and in your anger, do not sin. Amen. I've got the last point coming up in a second, but I'll give you a moment to take a photo of that because you need to remember it or write it down. Be slow to anger, and in your anger, do not sin. You ready for the last one? You're not ready for it? I don't even know it's the last one. It's not the last one. Second last one. Sleeping angry is spiritual and emotional laziness. Sleeping angry is spiritual and emotional laziness. I love the scripture. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. I once heard someone talking about that um, in marriage. And they were like, you know, they, they weren't even talking about the scripture. And it was a Christian talking about it. And I'm like, I don't even know if they've read the Bible. But I'd roll with the word over your word. So anyway. But they were like, and they were teaching people. And they said, you know, I don't know about you. But this whole never go to bed angry is just not possible for us. And I was like, well, it's weird that the Bible tells us to do that, right? And so we're not supposed to go, we, we serve a big God. I feel like he can release us of that anger before we go to bed, right? Sleeping angry, it's spiritually lazy. It's emotionally lazy. God gave you angry as a motivator, but ignoring it is lazy. It has to be dealt with. The moment you get angry, you have to deal with it. Studies actually show, like research, psycho, psychological and sleep research shows that sleeping angry leads to restless sleep. The studies show that sleeping angry actually leads to more anger the next day. And then the next day after that, you're angrier again. And then the next day after that, you're angrier again. And if you don't deal with it, it becomes a self-propelling cycle that gets worse and worse and ruins more and more of your sleep. And you get more bitter and more bitter and more bitter. Sorry, more bitter and more bitter and more bitter. Not because you got angry, but because you were lazy. And you didn't do the work. 
and you went to sleep angry. Do the work. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, do the work. Come on, touch your other neighbor and tell them because they really need to hear it. Do the work. You, you, when you get angry, <clears throat> you need to get to work on fixing the situation. Or if you can't at that time fix it, make a note about it and go to the Lord about it and ask Him, God, God, release me from this anger. Please, God, fill my heart with peace. You know, God, Jesus, Prince of Peace, peace that surpasses all understanding, can give you peace in the middle of that situation. Your anger can go back to peace if you would take it to the Lord. Amen. Fix it or take it to the Lord and ask Him to turn your anger back into peace. But anger should never, ever be ignored. should never ignore your anger. You're angry for a reason. You're angry for one of three reasons, right? One, because something is wrong and you need to fix it. Then fix it. Fix it. You're going to stay angry for a month or you're going to fix it? You're going to look at that staff member every time you go to work and want to punch them in the nose? Or are you going to fix it? Right? Someone once told me that if, a, if I've got a problem with one of my staff that work for me for, for a day, that's their fault. If I've got a problem with them for two days, it's my fault. It's a good word. Because I'm going to go and pray on day one and be like, Lord, does this need to be, do I need to talk to them or do I need to fix me? Because if I'm angry at a staff member, if they ticked me off, I, I either need to fix that in them or I got to fix that in me. But something's got to be fixed. And ignoring it, day two, and then day, day 29, now I want to cut them every time I see them. It's my fault, not theirs. They may have been responsible for day one. You're responsible for day two. Amen. You'll be angry for one of three reasons. One, because something is wrong and you need to fix it. Or two, because something is wrong and you need to pray over it. Doing spiritual battle for yourself, for your family, for someone else or for some other situation. Then God might tell you how you can fix it. Or maybe God triggered your heart and the righteousness in you so that you would pray and do spiritual battle. Amen. My pocket was getting hot because the camera was left on. I'm like, my pocket is on fire. It's like, man, it's really hot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's making me angry. I needed to deal with it. Some things make you angry because you need to pray about it. Don't discount. You, you, you look at something, there's nothing I can do about it. You can pray about it. If something in North Africa makes you angry, you can pray about it. Why is it making you angry? Not so you can ignore it, but so you can do something about it. Well, I can't do anything about it. I'm not there. You can do more about it because we're battling in the spiritual. Amen. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. Amen. You can pray. Or maybe number three, maybe you're angry because you have a lack of self-control in an area of your life and you need to pray about it and fix it. Notice there's a common theme here with all of them. 
You need to fix that so silly things don't cause you to get angry and lose sleep and eventually lose relationships because you wouldn't deal with it. But anger should never be ignored, ever. Anytime you get angry, something needs to happen. You need to respond in Christ. Don't react in anger. Fix it or pray about it before you go to bed. You've got to kill the cycle. Amen. Which leads me to my next point, which is really a sub point of this point. Ignoring your anger gives the devil free range. Ignoring it gives the devil free range. You just give him a free pass. The scripture says, don't give the devil a footstool or a foothold. Some versions say footstool, some versions say foothold. Leaving it undealt with gives the devil more power. It ruins your sleep, it ruins your health, it robs you of your peace. And it lets the problem just keep compounding and compounding. You know what? Ignoring it allows it to grow from anger to rage or revenge or slander or malice, as the Word of God said. When you ignore anger, that doesn't make anger go away. Ignoring anger keeps it hidden, festering, until what was supposed to be a motivator has now become bitterness that will manifest itself in sinfulness. If things make you angry, you need to work towards fixing them. Amen? Or at the very, 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 very least... You should be doing some spiritual battle. Would you all stand up with me? If something makes you angry, you need to fix it or do some spiritual battle. Slaying demons, slaying ungodliness with the word of God and the power of prayer. Amen. When you ignore it, the devil's allowed to keep roaming around, unhindered by your prayers. What does Scripture say? The devil, your enemy, the devil, roams around like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he shall devour. And something he's doing in someone's life makes you angry, and you're like... Even that thing that you should get angry about can make you bitter if you don't do something about it. What could I possibly do about it? Pray. Pray. Something happening, the devil attacking a friend of your family's? Pray. Pray. Don't let him just keep having unfettered access to your friends. Don't let him just keep roaming around unhindered. Amen. Don't give him a footstool. End it. Pray about it. Do some spiritual battle. Amen. What are you angry about? It's time to do something about it. Does anyone get angry in here? Give me a wave. Yeah? I wonder what, what makes you the most angry. Is it something that you should be angry about? Is it something you shouldn't be angry about? Either way, what are you doing about it? Are you allowing your anger to lead you in paths of destruction? Or are you leading and directing your anger towards making things right and holy and better? Today, we're going to pray for people in a moment. <clears throat> I want to open up the altar in a moment. And I want people to come down who need prayer. I want to pray for people to get angry about what God gets angry about. Maybe someone in here and you're like, I've just become apathetic. And I'm like, meh, passionless. Don't care. 
Today you feel the Holy Spirit saying you have become apathetic and passionless and it's time to stand up and be who God designed you to be, created in His image, amen, a new creation with a bit of passion in your heart that gets angry enough to pray about some things, that gets angry enough to take some authority over your family's spiritual life, that gets angry enough to take some authority over the darkness that's going on in your community, that gets angry enough to say something, to stand up and to do something about it, amen. I want to pray that apathetic people get passionate and angry again, like they used to be. Amen. That people would live with passion in their lives, care about things, enough to get angry again. I also want to pray for people that have allowed their anger to lead them. I imagine there are people in a room this size that have had anger in their lives that has been controlling them. Control sounds hard, doesn't it? But, but, but you're called to lead and use anger, not to be led by and used by anger. You're called to use your anger. It's a gift. And if you recognize it and take a moment, you can do powerful things with anger. I want to help you. I want to pray for you that you, you'd be slow to anger and use anger for good, not evil. Amen. I want to pray for you. There's other people in the room that you've been angry but spiritually lazy or emotionally lazy about your anger. You've just been ignoring it. You're like, I do get angry, but I'm just ignoring it and I hope it goes away. And it never does. It doesn't go away. It just festers, gets bitter and disgusting. And what should have been a beautiful thing in your life has become ugly and is robbing you of joy and robbing you of peace. Maybe you're not doing anything wrong, but it's, it's stealing from you now. It's become bitterness and brokenness. And that which was meant to motivate has now moved you to sinfulness. An example of that would be this. If a messy house makes you angry, why is it still messy? Do you know what I'm saying? Why did you? I guess we make peace with this. Sometimes my house is messy and it makes me angry. And then i got to do something about it when it makes me angry. Or when it makes me angry, I could be like, you idiot kids! Or I could get up and lead and be like, all right, this is how we vacuum. Come on, it's time to take that footstool back from the devil. That's mine. It's meant for relaxing after I clean the house. Devil, give me back my footstool, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us right now. Holy Spirit. We just give you a moment, Holy Spirit, to speak, to move, to convict, to convince, to inspire, to remind, to encourage, to heal. Those of us who have been living passionless lives, I pray you speak to us. Those of us who have been led by anger. We have not been slow to anger, God. We repent, we ask. Speak to us. Tell us who we are. Right now, Holy Spirit, we just give you this moment. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I want you to get out of your seat and come down the front. Just right now, over any of these things, just come down. There we go. People are coming already. See, you're not going to be alone. Come on. You're not going to be alone. 
You're not going to be alone. Look at these people coming from everywhere. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Come down the front. Thank you, Jesus. Keep on coming. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't worry. No one can tell by looking at you whether you're the rager or the one that does nothing. We can't tell. We shouldn't care anyway. I just want you to find freedom, strength today. If that's you, come down the front. I'm going to wait for you because I just feel like the Lord's saying there's more people. There's more people. Everyone close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes and walk down the front if that's you. God told me you were coming down here. Could everyone reach out your hands to my friends down the front? We're going to pray. Maybe down the front there, just put your, put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. We're going to pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that out of everything you created, you valued us so much that you made us in your image. You didn't do that for the dog. You didn't do it for the ape. You didn't do it for the monkey. You didn't do that for the cat. Out of everything you created, Lord, we were the ones that you, that you said, let us make them in our image, in our likeness. And God, because of that, you gave us emotions, beautiful emotions that enrich our lives and help us experience joy and happiness and anger that helps us experience growth and change, Lord God, and, and, and sorrow to help, us, to help us understand loss and to value what we have, Lord God. God, thank you so much for making us like you. Forgiving us emotions. God, forgive us for not appreciating them. God, we're grateful that you made us in your image. And again, God, I thank you for emotions that enrich our lives. But God, for some of us, we have tried to get rid of some of these emotions. In particular, anger. God, we've tried to put it aside like, like it's some sinful thing, like some part of your character is sinful and we don't want it in our lives. God, for that we're sorry and we ask that you release us of the lies that, that have told us that anger is sin. But God, for so many of us, it's been pride or our response that has been sinful, not the emotion that you gave us. And God, I pray those of us who have been living passionless, anger-free lives, that you would restore that emotion back into their hearts. They would feel that passion again. God, that when they see unrighteousness, they'd be angry. When they see wrong, they'd be angry again. <clears throat> but God, for all of us, God, we ask that you help us to not sin in our anger. God, we don't want to be led by emotion. We want our emotions to come on the journey with us and enrich our lives, but we don't want them to lead us. We want to be led by the Spirit of God and the heart of God. God, help us to be led by Your Spirit, especially in those moments where our anger is impassioned. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would lead us, that You would speak to us, that You would, that you would direct us in those moments so that in our anger we wouldn't sin, but we would walk and work towards change. 
In Jesus' name. God, remind us not to go to sleep angry and give the devil a footstool. But God, that we would deal with it. God, for those here who haven't been dealing with it, number one, Lord God, I just pray that you release them of any shame, of things in their lives that have gone days, months, weeks, years undealt with. God, I pray you release them of the shame of those things. But that tomorrow or tonight, they'd take it to you and ask for your help to fix the things that have been ignored in their lives in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, move right now. Restore, renovate, renew. Those of us who our anger has not been used right, restore back to godliness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. On the count of three, the Holy Spirit's going to move on your life right now. I just really feel right now in my heart that there's a moment coming where you're going to feel the power of God enter your heart and move. One, two, three. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sing this song with us. Stay down the front here and just sing. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.